Welcome to the Intercut Podcast and Weekend Must Watch, where we wade our way through the latest in theaters, streaming, and on demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's coming for the surface world, it's Arturo Zurita. We got the sweater up top, but right underneath is the shorts, those shorty shorts, those Namor shorts. <laughs> you know, it's good to have that representation because I, I was, he had an interview uh, at that notch when he was talking about, you know, Captain America, he's got the mask. But all the mm-hmm. Latino boys out there will be able to put those shorts on with no shirts. It's going to be even easier. There's, there's <laughs> less for you to carry around for the Halloween costume, yeah. I guess. But no, uh, I mean, I, li- I like that it. they even gave them their own their own little like hand gesture. I wonder how long or until we get those like like sad Chadwick Boseman poses from yeah. from Tenoch having to to do the pose over and over again. Exactly. But how uh, many weeks in a row do you think I can give you Namor based intros and, and properly gas you up? How long is that high going to last? I mean, what is he, 5,000 years old or something like that? So I think we got a good amount of time until, <laughs> until the sequel, at least, or the Disney series. Nice, nice. Uh, so, yeah, we are talking about the latest in theaters, streaming and on demand, as we do every week here on the weekend must watch. But it's a lighter week in the new releases because everybody cleared a path for Black Panther. I mean, Wakanda Forever, obviously the huge film at the box office this weekend, uh, absolutely dominating the second largest opening of 2022 so far, although did not beat out uh, the other big Marvel release of the year, the Multiverse of Madness, although kind Ah, of funny in retrospect. It's a little funny in retrospect, looking back on all the hype they built up for Multiverse of Madness and like, what did that movie actually really do in the greater MCU? Uh, I think it established some things that when you watch this new one, it makes you go like, oh my gosh, someone's gone. Except that, except that movie from two movies ago said that we can bring anybody. And then the last <laughs> movie when they're in Asgard yeah. said that they might be able to bring anybody. But uh, I yeah. think it opens up little things here and there, like a lot of the after credits do, where they might uh, be able to go back and, and, and take a different route if they wanted to. But I think the difference between totally. this one and Multiverse of Madness is that Multiverse had a lot of hype in terms of it. When you compare the fake cameos, I think this has become a new ritual when it comes to yeah. Marvel. Uh, Marvel or Multiverse of Madness kept saying, I don't know, maybe Iron Man. And they would just play coy about it. <laughs> this new one would yeah. play coy about Doctor Doom. So it's like they all have that one thing to attract people. But I think in terms of cameos, um, that's where that's where multi- Multiverse of Madness had people coming back over and over and over again because I mean, you didn't that's get an HD thing. clip of that scene until it dropped on Disney Plus. So um, yeah. All the all the fan speculation and and hype around Multiverse of Madness is like who could show up? Anybody could show up. We all have to sh- be there opening weekend so we don't get spoiled. And with this one, I think there's less of that sort of suspense. You know, they've kind of downplayed the like, oh well, who's the next Black Panther gonna be? Mm-hmm. Um, and really focused on the more like somber kind of reckoning with uh, this collective loss. And I don't know if like the idea of going to the movie theater to grieve is necessarily like as strong of a motivator as like, maybe we're going to see the new X-Men castings in this movie, but it's not like, it's not like a bad number whatsoever. Nah, it's just $180 million. It is not bad at all. Especially for a movie where we were just talking about people going into a film, excited to see somebody. I mean, the lead that people were excited in the first one isn't in this one, so you're right. I was telling Alina afterwards, I'm like, we're going to get to a point, right, where we go into these movies going, what, there's no casualties? 
what, no one's dying or a whole <laughs> war? Are you ready to go for like the, whatever the, the third end game is 10 years from now? I'm going like, I don't want to leave mm-hmm. the house. I don't want to go pay $15 to go see my heroes die. Like it's going to get to that point yeah. where, where I feel like I mean, we're going to be begging be... for it to be cliche. Yeah, and by then we'll be paying twenty five bucks for movie I tickets. I was, but. and I did that in my head. I was like, I, I can't believe I said fifteen. I don't know what what discount Tuesdays I'm going on. Still having hope, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think it, it had a pretty decent reception over the weekend with Black Panther making good box office. Mm-hmm. Um, just the word of mouth of it, and people having different discussions from it. And as we discussed, because uh, we have a whole spoiler one after credits up on Intercut. Uh, just looking at that poster, seeing how well um, the script. In the way that they were able to approach it with all of the changes because of uh, Chadwick's passing, to still be able mm-hmm. to take what was originally that element of Chadwick facing Namor, and then having to substitute that with what would be his sister's journey uh, against Namor, and just this poster beautifully puts it. The whole movie, especially rewatching it again, you just see how they parallel in every way, shape, or form. From mm-hmm. Wakanda, Wakandans always coming from the top. Obviously, you got. Uh, uh, the Noches group always coming from the bottom. You got the fire versus the water. Yeah. Uh, just a bunch of the parallels with how they uh, ascend the throne. Um, and then a bunch of other spoilers that I want to get to, but I think they do a really beautiful job with it. And I think it uh, merits a lot of good stuff for the characters on rewatches. Whether people think it's better than the first, I mean, that's up for people to decide. But uh, mm-hmm. after having a week to sit on it and a couple rewatches, uh, I think it's a very solid entry. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a solid film for sure. I, I'm definitely not putting it in the same class as the first Black Panther, which I feel like is just a little bit more cohesive and doesn't have as many of the like sh- uh, shoehorned in plot elements as, as this one does. I, I do wonder, and I'm not saying this having a firm answer. I, I'm genuinely asking you, are we grading Black Panther Wakanda forever on a curve? Because this is perhaps one of the most cursed movies in production or or that was in production because like it, it's so unfathomable to have lost somebody as immense as Chadwick and not just immense, but immense to this property. Like, are we just giving it a little bit of a pass because of all that? Or, or is it genuinely doing working? I think in the long term. Uh, I mean, can you name me other movies where we've lost somebody? I think of Heath Ledger when he passed, right? And what that added to the Joker. Mm -hmm. You could say, you could argue, are we adding more to the Joker's performance? I think enough time has passed where I don't think that's the case. But at that moment, definitely it hyped it up. What was his role, though, that he was in where other people came in, the Dr. Parnassus one? I don't think that added anything to that movie. I think the movie still needs to have an element of it being good. Will people add extra stuff to it? For sure, but I think this may be a movie where it warrants it. I think this is a movie where, introspectively, uh, they were able to kind of showcase their grief up on screen. It is still a Marvel product. I've heard this discussion of, like, can a Marvel product properly show grief up on screen? Uh, Can it get there? And then halfway through, you see a cameo appearance from someone uh, in order to push a show, and that kind of cuts it out, maybe. But uh, I I still think that there's a merit of it that's good, and I don't think it's bad to take into account the turmoils that happened in its production because that's technically what the movie's about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is so closely linked to uh, what happened. Like it's, it's making the, uh, the outside world context, the text of the movie in a way. And so you can't just sort of like ignore that half of it. I mean, the first, you know, like what you're saying right now, don't take into account the context leading into this one. Well, then don't take into account the context leading into the first Black Panther, which is kind of the whole point of the first Black Panther and what it's supposed to represent. So I'm a person who thinks context matters, always. 
Yeah, you 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 can't really remove a movie from the cultural moment it comes in, right? Like yeah. movies are elevated, or sometimes uh, they're they're made worse by when they are released and how we all feel uh, about things when they're released. So, yeah, all I mean, timing. it's certainly like I think. A lot of people, myself included, have our hopes up for the had our hopes up for this film, I should say, and we're rooting for its success. But I, I don't think we are deluding ourselves into giving it a favorable favorable review just because we want it to be good. I think it's genuinely good. I think there's a lot of genuinely interesting stuff there, and we've talked more at length in our after credits with spoilers, talking about uh, the types of thematic elements that. Uh, Ryan Coogler's so good at bringing the thing, into yeah. these stories. We're a big fan and, of him. And there's just, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff to really take away uh, from this film that I think works. So, you know, as much as I want to second guess myself, I do think I uh, ultimately think this is, you know, one of the better Marvel films and certainly one of the best ones we've gotten in a little while. Gustav in the live stream comments asked, do you think they will do a movie giving a deeper look into Tenochtitlan's character, Namor? Uh, we did talk about it briefly in our Black Panther Wakanda Forever after credits, but I think you were saying, you know, maybe we'll see him in another movie, maybe see him in a Disney Plus show. Do you have any strong feelings one way or another? I'm only going to say movie because of the water effects, and I don't want him to go cheap on the water effects. I want him to right. take whatever the boy's doing over there, over there for his December Avatar movie and apply all of those great mm-hmm. effects to the sequel. And I think uh, I'd rather that money definitely be invested into a movie rather than a series. But we'll see because uh, another worry was I feel that the whole Wakandan storyline and everybody from there works better as a group. I feel that that's what this movie exemplifies, and that's the whole point right. of the phrase Wakanda forever. Um, and you were mentioning the the uh, Namor's people have the same thing, but theirs is the Talokan. The, the Talokan rise. Uh, so they both have very similar lines. And uh, I don't know, I think splitting them into a series or individualizing them isn't the smartest thing. But I did want to give props to something because we had just talked about another superhero movie last week. And you mentioned how you felt that Black Adam was showcasing way too many characters that while they may be the originals in the comics, like in the zeitgeist, we just got movies where we've seen characters like this. So, Zach, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you for a world where we have so many underwater superheroes and knowing good and well (laughs) that we're about to get another Aquaman around the corner, knowing Mm. that Namor's original comic book origins came before Aquaman. Did you go into this movie at any point having that same kind of uh, reservations that you had for Black Adam or did you not even realize it and go, wow, this feels like an original character. I completely forgot about all the other underwater people. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, you know what? When they do actually go and, and visit uh, the underwater, the, the Talokan, I did think like, oh, this kind of feels like Aquaman, mm-hmm. right? And maybe maybe the wonder that I'm supposed to feel at that moment, the wonder that I know some other people who like the film more than me felt, uh, maybe I would have felt a little more of that wonder, A, had I not seen a film like Aquaman beforehand, or B, had I not seen the trailer for Avatar 2, The Way of the Water beforehand, and seen how much better the CGI looks in that film. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is something about when... A thing isn't a novel novel to you on screen, whether or not it came first in the comic books. That's just context that I don't have. But I have context of what I've seen on the big screen. And the water stuff, I guess, just wasn't as impressive as maybe it could have been. Right. wasn't as transportive as maybe you want it to be because we've seen maybe other attempts at it or better versions of it. Not to uh, it's somewhat recently, I should say. Yeah, I agree. But as his character, did you feel like, oh, this mm. is yet again another fishman? Or did it feel like, oh, this is a different, unique individual that has been added in and I want to see more of him? 
Right. I would say I felt like it's more unique. Again, this is going back to what we were talking about with Kugler injecting it with so much more of a, a thematic resonance and uh, imbuing all of this Mayan myth yeah. into the story, into the character design, and drawing those parallels between uh, the Talukan and the Wakandans. I think all of that separated Namor from maybe somebody like Aquaman, at least for me. And also, you know... It, Denoch got ripped, but he's not exactly Jason Momoa. That too, which is exactly why I appreciate this. I'm I'm very curious to see what he's going to do. They mentioned that Denoch is uh, writing a book because in approaching this and talking about the different culture dynamics, uh, (laughs) Ryan Coogler's like, I didn't realize he was writing a book on this. So he's like very well versed (laughs) in this idea of, you know, communication and, you know, just the uh, uh, culture clashes. So I'm very curious to see where they expand on him. I hope they do the Civil War thing. Civil War is one of my favorite movies because one of the best side characters and their introduction was Black Panther. So I can only imagine, mm-hmm. you know, the, the gift that is to be the cameo or, or the supporting character here and then being able to take it on your own. So we'll see where it goes. But overall, solid. Yeah, very. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so that was, you know, the big release at the weekend. We talked about how it's making a lot of money and we talked about how we talked about spoilers elsewhere on the channel. So make sure you check out our after credits review. But Art, what else have you been watching that was released over the past week? I mean, they say they've been waiting for Namor for I don't know how many years, but they've been waiting (laughs) for the one and only Lohan to come back, too. And, uh, yeah, she went trending coming back from her three-year hiatus, coming in to produce a movie. Uh, Her family's in this. Her sister has a cameo appearance, and, you know, she goes all out. There's even some, uh, a couple of homages to some old uh, I don't want to call them old because that makes me old too. Uh, some classic <laughs> Lindsay Lohan movies. Uh, some that Netflix kind of duped her into doing. But overall, yeah. this is you know your standard Netflix fare that they come out with on a yearly basis, trying to get it early before we even get to Thanksgiving. And it's an heiress gets into an accident. Nobody likes her because she's super rich and her dad runs all the resorts. But when she gets into an a- accident, she loses her memory. And she must either uh, try to recollect that world of poshness or maybe change and become a different person as this other individual who has more of like an Airbnb uh, establishment tries to keep uh, his place afloat. Obviously, he's a uh, widow. Widower, he's got a single child. His grandmother's there always trying to help. And it's it's your basic... um, type of netflix fair when it comes to the disney movies because i don't know if you remember they built their cinematic universe so we're at this point where in netflix movies you will see them refer to other netflix movies so there's a whole sequence in this film where she is actually why i love how she does the remote thing too uh there's a whole sequence of this movie where they're calling back to all of the, the i don't know i guess this world that's connected so if you've been following the Netflix Christmas Cinematic Universe, uh, I would say this is a little bit higher in there. It's not a great movie in any means, and you're definitely going in there just mm-hmm. to support Lindsay. Um, but for what it's supposed to be, uh, it's like the best version of a Netflix Hallmark movie with a star you've missed. Yeah. Well, no, that that's the right way to describe it, right? It is that kind of Hallmark thing that Netflix has been doing, sort of putting out these a little, uh, these kind of cheaper, uh, treaklier broad uh, romantic comedies that goes away yeah exactly and it's you know and netflix has identified certain markets uh that other people have made successful and tried to eat them up and the hallmark movie is definitely one of those that they've been really pushing hard i guess because they can kind of churn them out it's relatively easy to do a lot of them especially the the christmas ones you know we're going to be getting a lot of these 
Christmas themed Netflix movies over the next couple of weeks. We already have a couple, despite like you said, we're being we're we're still not even at Thanksgiving I yet. Told, I told Zach um, Hulu came out with like eight last week. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're jumping the gun for sure. Uh, I don't know if I'm yet in the spirit for a holiday <laughs> movie, and maybe that's what kept me from really really enjoying this one. But I'm also not a Hallmark movie person. Yeah. I think. I think you know whether or not you're a Hallmark movie person and there's just a a broadness to the way it's written here, like a a lack of subtext to anything anyone says ever in this film. That's not, <laughs> I, just, yeah. it, I don't know. Um, very easy to put on in the background and I'm, ga- I'm glad our girl, I'm glad our girl Lindsay is, uh, is working. Uh, she yeah. seems, she seems decently well. That scene right there where she's trying to make breakfast is it, such a mess. It, it it literally looks like what Netflix does when they're trying to put these movies together with the script. They just throw in anything that possibly sticks. So if you're a fan of Lindsay, go watch <laughs> it. Nice little uh, Easter eggs to some other stuff. Uh, but overall, not too much from there. But there was another one yeah. that we had the privilege to be able to see at home, but is in theaters Ooh. right now before it comes wide on Apple TV+. And that is a movie that I didn't understand when I saw the trailer during the World Series and I was like, wait, they're doing a, a, a Scrooge, but it's not really Scrooge. It's a musical about the ghosts of Christmas past who have been reformed, yeah. meaning that it's not the ghost that came to Scrooge. Nah, this is in the future when Scrooge is one of the three who's going to try to find uh, <laughs> the next person who needs to be reformed. But what happens when, one, you find a person who may be unreformable or two, You may be looking at your past and wondering, why am I still here trying to reform other people? Should Scrooge retire at this point? He's like a pastor. He's like Father Stu. He's converted and he's come to a point where he just wants to sin again or something. He just wants to feel human once more. And you have performances over here by Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds. Like I said, it's also a musical. And it's Mm -hmm. over two hours long. I did Mm -hmm. not have my chips in the favor for this movie. And there are points in this movie where it really doesn't work. And it was all right by the end. Yeah, what? I mean, it's kind of kind of not the worst. It's like you want to hate it, don't you? Like I wrote so many things yeah. to hate it. And then I'll just be like, yeah, it's killing time. It's not bad. Yeah, you know, like, first of all, it, it, Will Ferrell tends to take a lot of these comedies that like, yeah, I, I love Will Ferrell. He's one of the most gifted uh, comedic actors we have. But he does take a lot of just sort of bland, uninteresting stuff and it especially pairing him with Ryan Reynolds the king of putting himself in bland uninteresting stuff you kind of just get a vibe that this movie is like slapped together and not really like a a genuine yeah there's there's no like passion behind it it's kind of like well Apple TV plus needs a Christmas movie but I think one of the big (laughs) things this movie has in its favor is that the music is written by Pasek and Paul who I, I'm hit or miss on, but okay. when they hit, I like them a lot. Uh, what you know, they do? Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure these are the, the La, La, Land, La La Land guys, aren't they? Oh, are they? That's a pretty good <laughs> pretty good crew to get. Uh, let me double check that before I put up. Yeah, they did La La Land. But they've also, you know, to, on the other hand, they did Dear Evan Hansen. So it's not exactly ah. a, a sterling track record there. Somewhere in the middle um, right here but, for this one. Exactly. Yeah, there are some songs that are pretty good. I, I do like the Good Afternoon song. And I, I think I think one of the things is, on the one hand, they've chosen a couple leads in Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, as well as Octavia Spencer, who just 
don't really have the singing voices to to pull off this kind of musical theater. But on the other hand, the songs are mostly charming enough that they're able to just be warm and fun. Uh, there's one song in particular where that plays over the credits where I feel like Will Ferrell is doing a good job of sort of making it silly how much he's not suited to that kind of singing style. I wish they leaned more into that kind of stuff. Yeah. But there's some good jokes here and there. I'd say it's like a maybe 25% hit miss record on, on the jokes. And that was enough. I, I thought it's fine. You know, not necessarily like uh, the best thing to watch, but in, in, an easygoing holiday movie. I, I didn't hate it. I definitely didn't yeah. dislike it the way I anticipated I would. Mm-hmm. I guess to me it's because I hold Alf to such a high regard that I know what he's yeah. capable of, you know? So right. because of that, I see this and I go like, okay, looks fine, looks cute. But there was one point where I'm just looking at them and I'm just thinking, Vin Diesel and The Rock counted punches. Sometimes right. I feel like these two count punch lengths. <laughs> But it's all right. It's going to be on Apple TV Plus next week. I think that's the perfect way to watch it. This yeah. playing in the background, considering that a whole just segment will be a five-minute musical number, is it the perfect right. thing to just have uh, playing during the holidays. So. Yeah. And I will give it two more things. Uh, it's not two more nearly stories. Shot. I'm like, damn, where's this going? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, not, it's not nearly as well shot as, you know, for example, Spielberg's West Side Story. But I oh, like no. that they actually, you know, will will present the dancing. They, they'll pull out. You can see the ensemble. It's not so close that they've just sort of reduced it all to background noise. That's a plus in its favor. Um, and then also the story. You mentioned how it's kind of a weird setup. I, I was pretty, <laughs> I, I was pretty, like, bothered by how weird and, like, uh, it felt it felt like it's trying too hard to modernize a Christmas story, and then as it went along, like it actually had some surprising twists and turns to it. So mm-hmm. I, I got into the story more than I expected to. So it it's a movie that was off putting at the start and won me <laughs> over. So I guess that's yeah. another credit in its favor. That's a credit for sure. So catch this one in theaters right now or next week on Apple TV Plus. But there is a documentary. I don't know the release Ooh. on this, but uh, we're both big fans of this one. Yeah. Bad uh, Axe. It I think premiered at South first... by Southwest uh, this yeah. year. It, it It's a documentary that covers um, a restaurant and its family that runs it during the 2022 sum- or 2020 summer, if you recall that summer, uh, and everything mm-hmm. that went down. And uh, because it's shot from one of the family members who's going to school to become a filmmaker, uh, I found it fascinating the insights that he was able to get, not only from running this business with his family, but seeing the parallels of what his family had to go to uh, back home in the East and then what they were going through at that point in time. And I know that this was been able to get a, a slew of awards while he's been doing his press runs, uh, being able to snatch some nominations, and hopefully it's able to get a release near you, if not in the coming weeks, now that it's getting out, um, a VOD release. Because I think this is definitely one. It's going to be on VOD on Friday. No streaming, though? No streaming. It's an IFC film. Wait, it's what? IFC films. Oh, maybe AMC Plus. Maybe. Because I know that they do the IFC for their bundle. Oh, yeah. Um, but then who gets AMC Plus? Uh, no, I definitely think this is a documentary <laughs> worth worth watching. But I know uh, with oh, for, the yeah. medium of it being docs and then also it being heavy subject matter, uh, sometimes it's easier to have this available on a streaming service than it is to <laughs> leave the house and have one of your AMC check-ins or whatever it may be. But I still think that Bad Axe is definitely, yeah. before the end of the year, one to watch for your best documentary list. 
For sure. This is maybe my favorite documentary of the year so far. I'd have to sit down and and really look at the list, but I just think there's so much that I really appreciated about uh, the handling of the subject matter here. I don't know if you specifically said that this is an Asian-American family and they run an Asian restaurant in in a red state, and uh, that that element of it with the starting of the coronavirus and all of the... uh, Asian uh, scares that happen uh, or, or, you know, like hate, I guess that happened in the early days of that virus. Animosity was a good word for it. Yeah. Um, That all really comes into play and contributes to just the, the overwhelming uh, stuff that's going on with this family. I think for me, bad acts more than any documentary I've seen sort of depicts how it felt like to live through 2020 in America and just all the sort of like political and social discord while trying to maintain a level of personal health given the the threat of an unknown virus. And like, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just balancing all of these external conflicts uh, with the family dynamic on top of it. it, It's just so intimate and so powerful. I... I'd highly, highly recommend it. You know, you, you said it's maybe hard to convince people to do that VOD budget. But look, if you are a fan of documentaries, particularly ones that uh, are taking a look at our modern world and doing so in a way that doesn't really feel like uh, like overbearing, it just feels honest and true, I'd give Bad Axe my highest recommendation. Especially the family dynamics. You go into it thinking it's going to be the family yeah. against all the external forces. And it's how those external forces affect the family. And they start like going at each other that I thought was very effective. But yeah, Um, during that summer, if you did not leave the house, for those who did, this is exactly what it looked like. (laughs) And it was uh, it was pretty, pretty crazy. So definitely have that one on your radar. Uh, I know there was another VOD pick we had here. I'm not sure if any of us saw that one that's on our list. Um, Did you see the other documentary we have on our radar or not yet? I did. All right. I did. I did. All right, so let's talk about Is That Black Enough for You? This is one that we uh, missed when it was at New York Film Festival, but it is now available on Netflix. Uh, Easy enough. Everybody should definitely think about watching this one because I think it is a fascinating piece of filmmaking. Uh, Directed by Elvis Mitchell, who... uh, who, who made his name in film criticism. And you can tell he's a guy who has a deep knowledge for film. He's, this is his debut documentary and it, it's really a very, it's at times a very personal, but also at times a very academic look at uh, the history of 1970s black cinema and uh, the era in which the black exploitation movement was at its strongest. And you had all of these films that actually catered to a black audience um, I loved how he was able to kind of guide you through history because it's he he's not just sort of listing different famous movies or famous movie stars. He starts with uh, early Hollywood and talks about the types of roles that black actors got then and speaks to Sam Jackson and Harry Belafonte and uh, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg and acts for their... Yes, he's got, like, basically, like, the who's who of people you would want interviewed for the subject. And, you know, like, really interrogates them about how it felt watching those types of black characters on screen and whether or not they saw themselves in movies and what it was like as you move towards the 1970s and the people like Harry Belafonte, the people like Sidney Poitier, the people like Pam Greer started to uh, ascend in Hollywood and carve new roles for black actors. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's also one of those films like... Uh, 
what was the the history of folk horror one that we talked about a little while ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's one of those films where you'll be watching it and just constantly adding movies to your letterboxed watched list because there's so many interesting films referenced that I hadn't watched before or sometimes that I didn't even know about and they they put such interesting historical context on them that it just sort of like changes your it changes your your bearings for what the film industry was like um I don't know it, it's it's a deep dive into a subject that I don't know as much of, about as I would like to, but uh, yeah, I, I found I found it to be revelatory. You know, we I think we are sometimes apprehensive when we get a documentary like this. Like, is it actually going to change your mind or open up your eyes yeah. or anything like that, or is it going to just recount things that everybody already knows? Exactly. This is definitely uh, the former. This is a very very interesting, helpful look into cinema history. And you think they do it all in that two hour and 50 minute runtime? I mean, yeah, I, I you know, because you had mentioned I, I could the, take a mini series of it. Cause exactly. Cause the bewitched right. was like, that's three hours and, or brainwash and change. Or, or um, no, 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 bewitched. You're right. Bewitched. Yeah, you're not right. brainwashed. <laughs> Definitely not brainwashed. Uh, that, that is the epitome yes. of the opposite of this type of movie. Yes. Um, but, but like you said, in, in being able to dive in so much that after that three hours, it's like you you feel like mm-hmm. you just sat and you could rewatch this. You could rewatch that documentary and pick more things uh, from it the more that you watch it because of how personal it is to the filmmaker. I love when you're they're able to get the academic side, but it doesn't become like a lesson. What makes it ingrained, yeah. not in your mind, but also in your heart, you're like, oh, this is serious stuff, is when you get to hear that personality from the filmmaker. I think that's something that Bewitch was able mm-hmm. to do. I think that that's something that the Sasha Jenkins doc uh, from last week uh, that we talked about a couple weeks ago on Apple for um, uh, Louis Armstrong, I think is able to do successfully. Yeah. And well, I'm excited for this one because I know it's on Netflix. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to catching it. No, it's... It's awesome because, you know, Elvis will point out a iconic moment that Sidney Poitier had on screen and then he'll cut away to Sam Jackson saying like, oh, I saw the movie with my mom. And when that happened, I asked her what happened. And, you know, like it's it's got both the the academic and the personal in it. That's and beautiful. I think it just, yeah, really, really enhances your your knowledge and experience of all that stuff. You have this as a contender for the end of the year. Well, don't forget, we got to start contending I on mean, the personally. Right, list, right. I, guess I mean, I would personally, say. Yeah. yeah. Let's not talk top five, but like in the short list. Short list is 15, 20? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, the Oscars, I feel like the Oscars, I, I think it is 15. Maybe it's 20 for uh, the best documentary short list. Um, for Intercut, I feel it's like 50. The Oscars, <laughs> the Oscars tend to favor more issues documentaries, and occasionally they'll do biopics of people or biodocs of people they find important. Uh, this is more in the like video essay, F is for fake kind of mold that mm-hmm. I think they tend to not award as much, but I think it's excellent and it'll certainly be a contender for my list. All right. Um, I'm excited for that one. Looking forward to it. Like we said, it was New York. I think it was TIFF and it was yeah. even Chicago. So it's got all of the festival little feathered <laughs> uh, ornaments that you need on the cover. Uh, the final one. Yeah, all those laurels. Movie, you know, <laughs> final one from the movies that we had. Isn't even a movie. It's a little series. I don't know how big you are in Neil Brennan. Hmm. Um, or at this point in time, it is I feel like. Yeah, to me, yeah. Neil Brennan <laughs> as a writer is way better than a comedian. And this is one of those where he's kind of talking yes. about uh, how uh, if you've never seen Neil Brennan's stuff, he was a co-writer on The Chappelle Show. 
Uh, how that's that his relationship claim to fame ended, for sure. That's his claim to fame, and in anything you ever see, he's always going to mention that, right? Uh, so him and yeah. Chappelle, it's because of Chappelle that he's able to get it. So I may argue that he was writing some of the jokes that y'all may think may have come from Chappelle. <laughs> that is a different issue for a different <laughs> time. I would recommend Three Mics because this is one where he gets into it. And I'd say this is mm. a better uh, stand-up than his other one. In this new one, he's kind of reminiscing on what is wrong with me in that I can't just go up and do stand-up, right? That's the one difference between him and Chappelle. Chappelle goes up, he speaks. We'll say a crazy amount of stuff, but there's a difference between the organic form of just standing up and then doing, I guess what people would consider a gimmick. In three mics, he was doing different comedy in each mic. One was the comedy, one was like experimental, and then the other one was emotional. In this one, my man has blocks up on the stage. So he's got like emoji blocks, like the things that you have behind you that are on the paper, but they're like actual blocks. And he picks one up and he'll start discussing something, discussing something. And I think he gets into some nice pockets uh, uh, of things to talk about, but then at the same time, not really. Uh, Mm. He's venting a lot. Sometimes he'll say things where it's like, that sounds like a you problem. I don't (laughs) like it when someone who's such an acclaimed writer, you know, wanted to be a sandwich comedian. Ends up feeling a lot like David Spade's special from earlier in the year. David Spade gave a whole thing about how he felt he put a little too much weight and no one in the audience is laughing about his very minute personal detail. That's this man's <laughs> entire hour and three minutes here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm kind of like, Brennan, you, I like Neil Brennan, but sometimes he does too much. And half the time he's telling you, am yeah. I doing too much? I feel like I'm doing too much. Am I doing too much? I think I'm doing too much. Right. And I'm like, do less, I guess. He's one of those comedians who I feel like has reached a point where he finds certain things interesting and will say them without regard to whether or not his audience finds them interesting too, because he feels like he's had enough success that it's, it's worth, if I think it's good, I'm going to throw it out there. And there's a lot of stuff that I just kind of feel like, like save it for your notes, notes draft, dude. Like, we don't need to hear all your thoughts. The therapist. There's, some, there's you, yeah. definitely like better. Yeah, exactly. There's some better ones. And yeah, does it does it feel a little too much like he's trying to almost like recreate the three mics vibe with blocks? Yeah, because he mentions the three mics thing. And he's like, what am I doing here with these blocks? I, I can't ever have it be normal. It's got to be something else. <laughs> Best example I could put in, I guess, is a spoiler for the comedy, but not necessarily. He is doing the whole show mm-hmm. with a with a wrist bracelet. That's supposed to remind him to smile by shocking him every 10 minutes. That's the stand-up cool. guy that we got here. However, Zach, I, found, I thought you would find this interesting. It is directed by Derek Del Guadio, your boy who did. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you do? What do you do? You really like the, the thing that he had this week or this year. Yeah, uh, in and of year, itself. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, in and of itself. This, I know this was one that Zach really wow. liked. Um, so again, this is... Is there an... Bro, this is Blocks. The way it should have been done. And you know that I didn't love this one as much as you did. Like, you really like this one. And I'll have to revisit it Mm -hmm. uh, soon. This, Neil Brennan's show made me appreciate this one way more once I saw that it was Derek (laughs) Wayne directed it. I was like, that's what he was going for. Okay, now it makes sense. Okay. Um, So, there you go. I felt that that would be an apt connection to make There's no no sleight of hand in in blocks? Yeah, the sleight of hand was that he got me to watch the... (laughs) We're in three minutes of something that wasn't as good. I'm going to be honest with you. I'll end it with this. I legit only clicked it because I thought it said Neil Bren. Neil Breen, that really bad director that everyone's always reviewing on oh, YouTube. And I thought he had a movie on Netflix. Yeah. And I was like, let's go. This will be my first one. And it was a it was a, it was a stand-up special that 
let you know how dark and turmoil times we are in the social media world. But yeah, Neil Brennan Blacks, that was the one comedy special for this week. Um, I highly doubt you want to talk about the other stand-ups that happened this week, but I feel like we're getting into a point of time in comedy where, I don't know, Zach, like with stand-ups and, and everything that you have out there, um, it's going to be a very interesting world the way that uh, streaming services make deals, I think, for the, mm-hmm. for the coming years. Um, your opinion on, is it important to allow people to express whatever jokes they want who gets held Mm -hmm. responsible should it be the streaming service should it be the artist who's making it um i don't know this may not be the discussion for this episode but especially with a lot of stuff that was talked this week it's like the discussion of where to host comedians this year we began this year with a comedian getting slapped <laughs> and and yeah, it's not. Then, it's been a tough year to be a comedian. It is tough. It's like the comedians are going through the YouTube apocalypse this year, and I feel sorry for them. It's pretty mm-hmm. much what I'm trying to make the point of here. Um, but right. yeah, I don't know, man. You didn't get to see the I mean, specific monologue sketch I am referring to from this past weekend, have you? No, I haven't seen it yet. Um, okay. I, I have heard. I've heard mixed things. I've heard from some people that it's some of his best work, and then I've heard from some people it's not. Um, I I don't know. Um, I think there are always going to be outlets for people and sometimes they might not be the outlets you prefer, but maybe that's the outlets you get based mm. on how you act. I don't know. I don't Could know. Be. It's, it's all to be decided. Um, I did find it notable that Mark Marin, who I feel like has done a couple Netflix specials in a row now is filming his new special this week. And I believe it's going to Amazon. So interesting. The comedians even finding some, uh, finding some competing buyers for their their specials. We're all going to end up on Tubi, watch. But those were the (laughs) movies and stuff for this week. We have two final things before we get into the recommended of the week. Uh, I'll start with the first one because the next one's going to be one that you and I both recommend. But did you get to catch Mm. any of the Zootopia Plus (laughs) six-episode shorts on Disney Plus? I haven't. Uh, I liked the the movie. Mm -hmm. Is it worth then going to the show? Because I've been, I've been like... I've been sort of hit on miss on whether or not I check out these shows. Like the Big Hero Six show happened. It's just like I don't. It happened. Right? I don't think that's for me. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then the Monsters Inc. one happened. And then the other one yeah. happened. And the Cars one. Happened. They all yeah. just happened. So this is the next one that's happened. And it's all right. It's cute. It's pretty much you take the movie, and you find those little bits in between when Judy left at the beginning. Ah. Uh, what are the five minutes that happened to the parents where they were there? Did the kid go missing? You know, when she saves the the rodent girl from the donut. Okay, what led to right. that moment right there? That's all the movie is. And I've realized this is the world that we're on now in. You remember this, right? Back in the day when we wouldn't have <laughs> a full movie. Yeah, but the Disney would go to DVD stuff. Those VHS one and a halves. And you'll get like the whole movie that was the original. But from the perspective of like a side character, that is where we are at now with these uh Disney Plus series, I guess. Over the weekend, I also noticed that because we now don't have Disney Channel original movies and they're the Disney Plus streaming movies, that they take mm-hmm. in all of the OG classics that we know and you can't search them up anymore. You can no longer, Zach, huh. search up Life Size. It is no longer available. You would have to search up the wonderful world of Disney, go to the season, and find the episode titled Life Size. They are now episodes, according to IMDb. So uh, some interesting things that are switching over on Disney in order to be able to have room for these Disney Plus, you know, originals. They want that to be the name that people remember, and they're kind of like vaulting the other ones. But this is all right. It's cute for what it is. Rebrand them. Yeah, I was impressed with the animation. That's always our worry. 
that they're going to downgrade a little bit, but I thought the animation mm-hmm. was, was still done very well. It's all the characters that you like. It fleshes it out enough. Not well, as good as the movie, it but... All the characters you, is it all the characters you like or just the ones that weren't top build? Like, uh, is Jason Bateman in this at all? <laughs> like, I guess cameos. I guess... I, I didn't check to see if it's his voice for grunts or <laughs> some mm. of the talks, but uh, it, it's meant to be all the side characters to build up and flesh out the world. Right. Um, yeah. I would recommend the the, uh, the Godfather one. I thought it was funny. It's cool. it, they practically cool. Godfathered to it about how they got there to Zootopia. So it's they're, they're cute little shorts. Zootopia Plus, uh, probably finish it in an hour, half an hour. Yeah, probably. I mean we they they keep doing these like quick binge series like the I Am Groots and stuff. And uh, yeah, some of them I are better than cute. others. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But the one that we love, I think there are two episodes, maybe three episodes. Uh, we got the whole thing, and I'm ready to binge it. I it's one that I've yeah. been saving. We will literally. Be watching stuff. Get tired of it. Enola or whatever it is that's playing. And then just go watch a Mythic Quest episode. <laughs> Season 3 is here. And if you've never seen any of it, I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. Because I am so jealous that you get to experience the first two without having mm-hmm. to get all, you know, all the spoilers and stuff. Because uh, Zach was the one who put this one on my radar. This is when he had these inklings, these foolish thoughts of Apple TV Plus being as good as HBO back in 2020. <laughs> like, this man was going crazy. I didn't know what he caught during that summer. But 20, I checked it out. 2020 was a hard year for all of us. It was a hard year. And I was like, man, this man's making some crazy claims. <laughs> but in time, they won Oscars. They've won Emmys, mm-hmm. and they've won my heart with Mythic Quest especially because this is, as Zach has been putting it, the show that you could just put on in the background and doesn't feel like background watching. Because this is one of those that mm-hmm. like, you want to background watch it, but you also want to be paying attention because you don't want to miss the jokes. You want you don't want to catch yeah. that reaction that someone's making in the back. Like These are characters that you're following through and through, and everyone has this dynamic that they play off with each other. Um, and, I mean, the, <laughs> it's a well-oiled machine at this point. Yeah. No, that's the thing. It's like, I think that in the first two seasons, you can see them still trying to figure out what some of the characters are there for, figure out some of the dynamics, figure out what's funny about all of their characters. And in this season, there's just no, there's no uh, questioning it, no debating it. Um, Imani Hakim is one of the actors who I feel like has been kind of underutilized for the first two seasons of the show. She was one of the testers. Um, and she's got some funny stuff to do this season. They paired her a lot with Rob McElhenney, yes. and they make for a really fun uh, fun group. I, I really love Charlotte Nickdow, the female lead of this show, who oh, is just, yeah, she's so hilarious and just uh, allowed to do the kind of like hilarious and occasionally humiliating stuff that I feel like female uh, comedians don't often get as many opportunities to do. Mm-hmm. Like she's kind of the Caitlin Olsen of this show in that they they treat her just as terribly in sometimes as they do uh, D on It's Always Sunny. Uh, but she's so funny at it. She's so like charming and, and sweet as well. Um, it's just a great dynamic. I, I was telling you that I think, like, first of all, I, we talk about it on Intercut a lot. I really love the workplace comedy. I feel like it had been neglected for a little while as a lot of the streamers and networks moved away from the half-hour comedy. And, and now we see them sort of re-embracing it. There's more and more of these workplace comedies popping up, stuff like Abbott Elementary that is getting a lot of plaudits. But for me, this is my favorite of all of them at the moment. This is the easiest hang. This is the most consistently funny. There's no... 
moment where I, I'm spending time with a couple of characters and like kind of just sort of waiting for Danny Pudi to come back on screen. I like them all. Yeah. And and I, I've liked pretty much every episode. So uh, it's it's to me my favorite just like straight comedy, not counting the shows like Barry, not counting the shows like Atlanta and stuff like that. Just straight comedy. I, I really, really love Mythic Quest. Can't recommend it more highly. Easily. And I think what elevates it to, you were comparing it to those other shows, right? Where it's like, it's not up there with those like prestigious dramas, but they'll have episodes as I was pulling up right here with uh, F. Murray Gray, like flashback stuff where you're like, oh, this is taking like an extra little degree to it. You know, this Mm -hmm. isn't just another, you know, day at the office. We're we're, we're throwing it back. We're we're getting some backstory to it and it fleshes out the world a lot. Uh, It makes you pay more closer attention to it. So highly, highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, Renitas in the live stream is asking if we have any idea why F. Murray Abraham left because he is no longer on the show, unfortunately, in season three because he he was also a fun part of the show. Uh, I Honestly, I kind of feel like there's just a chance White Lotus paid better than Mythic Quest and he jumped ship. And they allow him to do more. Uh, maybe you, it's... It's too packed of a, of a cast over here and I've been hearing that he's he's hilariously perverted in, in, uh, yeah. in White Lotus. So, yeah, I, I'd probably agree with you. Maybe he stole something. Yeah, so Let's just start that rumor. Maybe F. Murray Gray just stole something. <laughs> F. Mur- All the copies nobody of Amadeus. likes F. Murray Abraham on the <laughs> Mythic Quest set. I've 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 heard a lot of rumors about that. <laughs> like I want to say that, but the the tribute episode that they give to him is too be- allegedly. It, it's too beautiful to ever think that they actually. Yeah, had a exactly. <laughs> right. Although we, let's th- throw it allegedly before somebody gets exactly. mad at us. Allegedly, Reportedly, it's allegedly supposedly. supposedly. Yeah. Um, but let's get into or before we get to the picks of the week, shout out to yeah. all of the inner cuties. Yes, let's do it. Let's talk about the wonderful Intercutie Plus patrons, those people who are supporting the show and supporting our hearts. They are uh, Ewan, okay. Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Michael, Matt, and Mr. Kobayashi, our Academy level members, are Tushar, Marion, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, Ricky, What's a Matter, and our newest Academy-level member, Joe, who I actually got to send a message to. But <laughs> we, I think he got it. Shout out, Joe. <laughs> yeah, and welcome to the team. Uh, and, of course, the biggest thanks to our producer-level patrons. They are Awkward and Udenvir. Thanks again for all of the support. And a reminder that you, too, can become an Intercutie Plus person at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to the Intercut episode outlines, access to our private channels on the Intercut Discord, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings. The next one happening right after this weekend must-watch stream. Art, what do you want to talk about later Um, today with the uh, Intercuties? gonna have to be uh what's it called uh spielberg because i am will be watching one of your other top picks mm. of the week right after this or actually no i got my i got too many it's gotta be a glass onion one i guess because that's what i'm watching immediately afterwards so ooh, ooh, you got a good week of the movies you, you're seeing a... glass onion this week you're seeing fablemans this week zach whatever you recommend to me in the next minute is literally my screening <laughs> schedule for this next week <laughs> starting today <laughs> Oh, man. So maybe we should get into it uh, with our picks for the week, the movies that we are recommending people check out over the next weekend weekend. Uh, So it's your homework between now and the next time we're back on the weekend must watch. Art, you want to kick us off? Yeah. So my picks for this week, starting with the ones that you could stay at home that are so good if it's playing at a theater. 
try to go see it. I'd give this one a solid junior price and maybe even with a rewatch a little bit higher. It is Netflix's The Wonder, a rated R mystery mm. thriller that uh, was on my yeah. radar during the festivals um, because I saw it playing there. It's got a really good director, but it's got the girl the one and only Florence Pugh and I'm just Low. not gonna say anything about it I'm just it, it's a mystery of a girl who is not eating but she has survived this much so they call in a nurse and a nun to mm-hmm. come check on her to figure out what is going on and that's all you need to know beautiful looking yeah. movie beautiful performances it's the main reason I say if you, you you'll have it at home but if you can catch it in a theater that'd be pretty solid but it's definitely one of my uh, top five recommendations of this week and I know you liked it too I did like it. I, I liked it a bit more than I even expected to, if I'm being honest. It has this kind of uh, look and feel of maybe a more prestige uh, you know, literary adaptation drama, kind of quieter sort of film. Uh, and in, in, I think it just has a little bit more um, unex, unexpected under the surface than I uh, thought I would get, you know, you mentioned that mystery aspect of it when it gets later into the film, it kind of gets to some sort of disturbing and uncomfortable places. Mm. And it, it is a quiet movie. It's a bit slow. So know that going into it, but I think the place that it ends up is really intriguing. I, I like this one more than I was expecting to. Yeah. Even, even than I was expecting to after the first half of the movie easily. So, uh, I mean, so, it's Florence. You, you can't go bad there. It's, it's the better, Florence Pugh movie that's streaming out on those services this week. Uh, but another exactly. one that I have, and this one's going to be split, so if you can catch it in theaters, go catch it in theaters. If not, wait till it gets on Showtime, which I guess is not going to be Paramount+. Plus. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, keeping with the docs from this week, Nothing Lasts Forever is another South by doc that looks at the diamond industry. <laughs> and what a, what, what a facade it is, bro. This is that doc. Uh, catch this one. Watch this one. Learn the ethics of business more than just a uh, diamond industry. Apply the rules and the principles that they do in this movie, in this industry, to anything else that you may have in your life. And uh, you may be a con, but you will be very, very, very successful. I would highly recommend having <laughs> this one on your radar. Like I said, it'll have a theatrical run this week. But starting next week, it will be out in theater or on Showtime. So uh, nice. have that one there. Another one. Yeah, we Showtime documentaries have been killing it. They're good, dude. Uh, yeah, they are pretty good. I, I just wish Showtime yeah. was killing it because it's not right. Um, another one that I was able to get an early screening to, and it's starting to roll out little by little. I'm assuming. If not, mm. I'll keep this quick. I thought it was coming out during Thanksgiving. It's not. Pinocchio, really good. Moving on. EO. EO is coming <laughs> out this weekend. EO is a movie that we caught in New York. I think this thing played at Con. This donkey has traveled everywhere, and it travels everywhere in this movie. We have been debating what the best donkey of the year is between Zach and I. I am still firmly Team EO. He's firmly uh, Jenny. Team Jenny. Team Jenny, Jenny from Banshees. That's cool. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, he's going for the supporting. I'm going for the lead over here. EO is a very <laughs> cute, very beautiful movie. Highly recommend having it on your radar, but it is also very weird. So check the trailer. If a donkey feature-length film is not for you, I recommend it at home. But if it yeah. does intrigue you in I any would... way, shape, or form, I think it's worth I think it's worth a, a a matinee. I would recommend this to anybody that watches sad videos of animals on TikTok. Oh my gosh. If you liked our Gunda recommendations, <laughs> you're gonna you love this one. Uh, and then my final one for the week, uh, this is the only one I haven't seen, so it is my most anticipated. People have caught this at Ooh. festivals. I have seen nothing but great trailers. Helen was looking to find a new theater to catch this one, just just to try uh, something new on the menu, you know, maybe something uh, a new mm-hmm. seat I haven't been in before. But this trailer 
does not stop playing. I am surprised that I haven't like memorized it and spoiled the whole thing in my mind already, but I am excited for this rated R comedy horror thriller about a bunch of people who get together to try uh, some some chef stuff. Zach hasn't told me a single <laughs> thing about this movie, so I'm still very excited Mm-mm. to go see it. I feel like I know everything, but I don't know anything at all, and uh, I'm glad to see that it's been getting a good reception. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a fun one. It's a really tight and and interesting thriller. There's greater subtext to it, too, uh, if you want to read into what it's trying to say. But mostly it's effective and fun and darkly, like, darkly delicious, I guess we can say. Uh, I maybe wanted a little bit more in the end. Left me me a little bit hungry, Mm. as sometimes great restaurants do. But... It doesn't mean it's not a amazing fun time at the movies. Okay, you you saying it's it's a little tiny food? Yeah, yeah, it's the little like little tasting menu kind of thing. That's deal. what the movie is. You thought it was more like yeah. that than a whole? Okay, gotcha. It wasn't a cheeseburger. All right, so yeah. I'll have another thriller to actually eat. I'll go to Popeyes afterwards. The Popeyes movie. <laughs> uh, but Zach, exactly. what is your top five? Ooh, okay, so my recommendations for the week, picks for the week. Uh, my first one, I'm going to give it to the boys, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, because they've got a new film called Something in the Dirt. It's in theaters now. It'll be on VOD a week from now, and you'll be getting an interview with your intercut boys, asking them all about how they put together this really interesting film, one of our favorites that we caught at Sundance earlier this year. It's about these two guys who live uh, in the same apartment complex discovering something, something weird, (laughs) something in the dirt, and trying to figure it out from there. And the thing that I think is so enjoyable about it is it really is kind of this, like, movie version of a of a deep dive it feels like falling down a, a wikipedia rabbit hole because they're going back and forth with their different theories and trying to contextualize what it could be give, with other societal trends and All and uh, stuff, conspiracy yeah. theories and stuff it, it's just got this like madcap energy i love how quick it moves especially with their editing choices and all the cutaways and stuff like that it's really really fun a really good time maybe the best sci-fi I've seen this year, or at least top five, I guess after Yang is maybe in that competition Mm -hmm. along with beyond the infinite two minutes, but uh, a really effective little thriller and one that I I would recommend to just about anybody. So uh, something in the dirt, definitely worth checking out Mm -hmm. and uh, check it out before. Oh yeah. 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 They have, I think I saw an interview where they were saying how you should go through their catalog, although they didn't, they didn't know where to put something in the dirt in that yeah, order. Yeah, because this is like the IPA of their stuff. Like there is a this is they're going full primer in this movie. So if you're a fan of a lot yeah. of those movies, you know the Under the Silver Lakes and such. That is this film. Um, but I think right. you appreciate those are some it more good comparisons. Uh, because they are writer, directors, gaffers, editors, VFX. Like they do everything. When one is on camera, mm-hmm. the when one is in front of it, the other one's behind it shooting the other. And I think watching their filmography leading into this makes you appreciate it more. Definitely. Another pick of mine that is in theaters this weekend is She Said. This is a new drama, journalism drama from director Maria Schrader, who previously did Unorthodox, which a lot of people really liked on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, But it's also got an excellent, excellent cast starring Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan as the reporters Megan Toohey and Jodie Cantor, the women who really... Uh, did the hard ju- hard work journalism and track down leads and tried to source all of the uh, all of the stories about Harvey Weinstein because it's one thing to 
have rumors and have hearsay going around, but to actually kind of lock people down and get them to speak on the record is tough work. And I think there, if you like journalism movies, if you like that sort of like investigation style film, um, stuff like The Post, stuff like The Paper, uh, you, you might enjoy this one. I think it's effective in sort of a beat-by-beat beat thriller showing how this story uh, came about. But it's also, like, not necessarily the most, like, uh, the most, like, artfully directed or, or stylized film. People speak very directly, uh, and the the cinematography as well is kind of just sort of depicting, not necessarily, like, interpreting. Um, I, I think... It may be, it, while it's while it is powerful to hear the stories assembled in this way, and it's honorable to kind of give it this sort of treatment. I think it fails to necessarily have like a a deeper impact uh, because it it feels a little more Wikipedia ish than than art film ish, if that makes sense. Gotcha. All right, she said. Yeah, still a recommendation, though, and especially because it's probably going to get in the Oscars race somewhere. Yep. So if you want to be up to date on all those films, uh, worth catching. It's it's good. Early screenings um, maybe tomorrow little... in Chicago. Go for it. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, maybe a little bit better, and this film is only going to be in theaters in New York and L.A. this weekend before it expands next week, the Thanksgiving week. Uh, one of our favorites from the New York Film Festival is Bones and All, the latest from Luca Guadagnino, another collaboration with the boy Timmy Chalamet, although yep. it's Taylor Russell who really, really steals the show here as they are play a pair of young lovers on the lamb. This is like a... Uh, somewhat genre-ified version of a Bonnie and Clyde story and something like that. I called it Prestige Twilight. Um, and I just think this is like one of the most interesting, earnest films of the year uh, in depicting this like story of young love on the run. It's, it almost has the feeling of like a queer love story or like a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. Um, and then just having this sort of like slice of horror thrown on top that it's not the most indulgent or bloody, but it's got some unsettling uh, ideas hidden in there too. Really great performances, really effective movie. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this one is a bit of a hit with some uh, with the Timmy fans. Easily, you didn't hear the news that has shut down a Q, uh, uh, a screening because a wild yeah. horde pack, whatever you want to call it, of uh, Timothy Chalamet fans came in and they said it was a security breach. I saw the footage of it. <laughs> yeah probably like they look so harmless but it, there's so many of them it just it's just like a wave yeah, of them it's the numbers man Un- it doesn't matter if they're if real. they're young or or weak or whatever it's numbers you can't stop them look uh shout out to the boy what i'm seeing here you know a lot of people always uh call out the leo thing but uh, i think it's because they always undermine robert pattinson we have been there for the robert mm. pattinson indie era of having so many people going to go see the lighthouse who are Twilight fans. Like, what are they doing at these movies? So I love that Timmy can get all of these people to go see a two-hour... Wait till you see what it is. Uh, To take a bite out of a movie like this, I think is very impressive. So that says a lot about Timmy. Uh, (laughs) And I'd be curious to see what more projects he continues to take because, I mean, believe it or not, he's going to be that gateway for people to try Mm -hmm. new stuff. And uh, I'm going to double this one up too with a thumbs up. It's definitely worth it. Definitely. Uh, give a quick recommendation to Bad Axe, which we talked about earlier, but since this one is going to be in theaters and on VOD this weekend, it's easy enough. And uh, one of the only movies here that I'm recommending you can check out from the comfort of your own home, because mm. unfortunately, it's just like a big week for these 
these awardsy, these prestige movies to start unrolling. Uh, you know, we're, like we said, we talked about a bunch of films that have been coming out uh, that are content, potentially contending for Oscars. But my number one recommendation for the week seems like it's going to be the front runner for a lot of awards. It's the latest from the boy Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans. I got to catch it for a second time last week. And wow, this is a beautiful special movie. Uh, we're, there's so many people who've made these like films that are about the power of cinema that it's kind of a joke at this point. But when Steven Spielberg wants to do yeah, something, you let Steven Spielberg do whatever he wants. Uh, I, I'm just obsessed with the shots in this movie. There are so many amazing shots, shots that are have no business being incredible, but he'll just like whip them out in the middle of another scene. You know, there's like this, th there, there's this dramatic scene and then all of a sudden it'll do like an amazing little move from Michelle Williams's face to her hands, but you still see the reflection of her face in the piano. And it's, I don't know how Kaminsky, Kaminsky and Spielberg do it, but they keep doing it. Um, the final, final shot of this film we're going to talk about it for so long because it's so good. And I cannot wait. I'm, I'm excited. You're seeing it this week. I'm seeing it in a couple. I keep thinking it's today, but I was like, oh, no, there's glass on it. She said tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So I am very excited. I will be watching it multiple times, too. And I've been seeing nothing but just great things come in. Oh, it is an incredible film uh, and seems, at least for now, like the front runner for Best Picture at the Oscars. I don't know if it would nice. be my selection, but it's uh, it definitely deserves pick, huh? to be nominated for a lot of stuff. And I won't be I won't be upset if it wins because it's been a little while since Spielberg had a Best Picture winner. And uh, this is one of the best pictures of the year. The poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He's never, never gotten any respect. Oh, but that's some solid picks. As always, Zach posts these up over on Intercut, social media, so you can see our top things that we are looking forward to, stuff that we've seen, uh, wrapping up everything from the weekend must-watch in movies. But... Yeah. A big thank you to everyone for watching. We're curious to know your thoughts down below. We are about to enter what I'm going to say is probably the biggest week. Uh, it, like starting Thanksgiving all the way until the end of uh, Christmas, New Year's is just we're just going to be loaded with a bunch of stuff on a weekly basis in yes. theaters, at home. You know, we're so lucky that we were able to catch so much of the stuff from Thanksgiving because I wouldn't have time to go get some turkey because there is a buttload that is going to be coming out in the next week. So uh, keep an eye out for all of that stuff. Let us know things that may be missing on our radar. Um because it, it's that end of the year time. Yeah. You know what? I'll throw out one more recommendation, oh. even though it's not in our graphic. Uh, you know Tar is on VOD tomorrow? Bro, Tar, let's talk about a movie, because Tar is a great movie. I rewatched that this weekend, too. Mm. That might be the movie of the year. I like, was telling no, you, bro. No shots to anything else we talked about, but Tar is a movie. Tar is good. You know what else is good? <laughs> Atlanta. <laughs> and it just ended. But that would be a whole other hour. As of now, Zach, yeah. outro. Oh, my God. Yeah, we will be back later this week because there's so much to discuss this time of year. But that is all for this edition of the Weekend Must Watch here on the Intercut Podcast channel. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. They are all at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H. And check out my YouTube and TikTok channels at Multiplex show artwork and people find more from you. You can find me over at LME Explain on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, or every week here on the Intercut Podcast. 
You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on Anchor, on Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I happen to like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of The Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday. And please leave a comment. Like the video, consider heading to iTunes to give us that much requested five-star review. Shout out to our listeners in Belgium and Poland for putting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there. Like our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter pages, support our Patreon. All of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. And make sure to hit the link in the description to check out our Discord channel and join the conversation throughout the week. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, good afternoon.